And welcome back to another episode of Commission Impossible, episode 11. Little do you know we recorded last week, but I'm probably going to put this out in a week or two, just just so you guys don't think that we're going to constantly be giving you <laughs> new episodes every week. Uh, I'm with we, I'm with the star of the show, as usual, Ryan McDowell. <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm I'm not I'm no star here though. I'm, your Vikings <laughs> might be the stars. Are you Are you still riding high? I am. I'm gonna ride high all off season, even if we lose next week. I think off of that play. Holy crap! Um, that's I can't stop rewatching the all the different views of it too. And you know, it's uh, all the oh man, it's amazing. Um, oh man, very good game. It's gonna be. It's going to be good to, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. That doesn't make up for the years and years and years of torture, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that we have like the fifth most wins in the Super Bowl era or something like that. And we're the only one in the top, like 20 without a Super Bowl or top 16 without a Super Bowl. <sighs> maybe, maybe this is the year. Yeah, maybe we'll see. Um, so we, we we have some more questions. We're we're gonna do an episode of bad commission stories here. Uh our next episode, actually. Um, I don't know when it's gonna pop come out for you, but uh uh we're gonna we're gonna answer the rest of our mailbag and then we'll be completely caught up to all your tons of questions. So um maybe we should get started. How's that sound? Let's do it. Okay. Aaron Wilcox asks where are you from oh all the way from duluth minnesota see this needs to be a thing if you if you send an email i want to know where you're from uh duluth minnesota too i've i've been there within the last year um i have a dynasty fantasy football question regarding rookie picks what is the best way to determine order of rookie picks right now they are inverse of regular standings for non-playoff teams oh wait whoa no this is not right they are from the inverse of the regular standings. That's option one. Number two is loser bracket is one through five. Um, and same goes through winner's bracket would be five through ten. Um, three other. Ooh, that's interesting. I know some of your leagues do the loser's bracket and winner's bracket kind of, right, Ryan? Yeah, we, well, we have uh, my leagues, I feel like, as far as determining playoff, I'm sorry, as far as determining the rookie draft order, pretty standard pr pretty boring almost we wow. have the uh we just determine the order of the first 11 picks based on regular season standings and the 12th pick the the last pick in the round is the champion no matter what their regular season standing was and then we have that 1.13 for the uh, toilet bowl winner but the the actual the toilet bowl doesn't determine the draft order other than that uh, supplementary pick. So uh, I know, like I said, that's, that's kind of the boring way to do it. It sounds like in Aaron's case here, they're using the postseason, both the losers bracket and the, and the playoffs to determine, uh, determine the order, which I, I think is fine. It's one of those things. There's so many options. Mm -hmm. It's really whatever your league is good with. It, it should work. I will say this about the way they do it in the number two. I, d I don't do it that way. Um, I do it very similar to you, Ryan, in my home league and my two dynasties that are over a decade old. It is the the champion is last and the runner up is second to last. And then the rest is regular season record. Um, you know, 
So what do you think about, and I've heard this a lot as the tanking conversation has come up from time to time uh, this year and, and in past years. Uh, but what do you think about the toilet bowl determining who gets the top overall pick? It, essentially saying the winner or, or the the best yep. team out of the non-playoff non teams, teams. Uh, will get the first pick or, or at least we'll have a good chance to get it. <clears throat> Uh, I've generally not been a fan of that, but I'm also like, I'm not vehemently opposed to it. It's just, it just feels like you can get a team like in one league, I was six and seven, just missed the playoffs, but definitely better than some of the playoff teams. I just didn't have the right luck. Um, I, I would have won that toilet bowl and I would have gotten Saquon Barkley to add to a roster that was probably already a playoff team. So in general, I'm, I'm just not in love with it, but I, I have no problem with people doing it. I will say this about the way they do it. Um, I feel that puts a lot of weight on three weeks of the season and very little weight on 12 to 13 weeks of the season. Uh, so that would be my, my, you know, caveat against number two. Um, I'm a lot closer to number one inverse regular season or by, by record or by points. Um, the, and and the champion obviously shouldn't be able to like pick sixth or anything, you know, because if he made a run at the end, he should be last. But yeah, that's probably how I feel. But how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, th I think we're we're on board here. Um, yeah, using using the toilet bowl to determine who gets the one seat. I just feel like that's an overreaction to try to fix a problem that um, pretty minuscule. Yeah, yeah, it's just just too big of a fix, I think. Or, or so I, I don't know. I, I agree with you that I wouldn't be, uh, I wouldn't be using that. I run thirty five safe leagues. Going to be a lot more this year. I hope. I hope we're going to offer a lot of different stuff and and have a partnership with DLF. In in fact, but in the thirty five safe leagues, I think there are four or five occurrences of people reporting that they thought someone was tanking tops. And not all of them were even accurate. You know, they, they were just, you know, they didn't have the team for it, you know, and they didn't want to drop someone to pick someone up kind of situations. So tanking is really, it's not that, not a big, not a, like we said, it, it doesn't happen as much as people think. Maybe subtle tanking does, but. Um, I like yeah. subtle tanking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's something that definitely goes on all the time. So thanks for the question, Aaron. Uh, Mike. What do you have? Thanks for all your articles, rankings, and responses this year. I enjoy following you and the podcast. I'm assuming that's for Ryan. No. <laughs> Very helpful. He's been in the league for 12 years. Traditional standard scoring. 10-team snake draft. Trading picks is allowed. Uh, most of the owners are casual. A couple diehards. I think all of that's pretty normal. A few years ago, it began to get stagnant, so they introduced keepers. Any three players you can keep, but you can't keep them two years in a row. Uh, this year, he tried to make the benches bigger, and that backfired. There were only two trades because the benches were bigger, apparently. Um, he's kind of feeling that if they don't change things up, it'll dissolve. Uh, the owners aren't up for an auction draft. What else can he do? <laughs> do you have any uh, any ideas? Uh, it sounds like fairly casual league that hasn't liked some changes. So that's that makes it tough to, you know, rock the boat too much. Yeah, that is a tough spot when you have a, a league that's uh, 
pretty longstanding. I think Mike mentioned this was a 12 year old league. You do, you want to keep it going. You don't want to just give up on it. Um, but when the majority of, of the players are casual, just casual fantasy players as, as the majority are uh, uh, across all leagues and across the country, that makes it tough. Basically it sounds like Mike is much more active than his league mates and he's trying to, bring their activity level up to his. That's um, exactly what I thought. <laughs> the, the change that kind of seems like uh, the next option in my mind, and I don't know if this would have a major impact or if it would change much for Mike and his league, but uh, I would try to go with a super flex option. Mm-hmm. Um, that especially, I think he said 10 teams. Yeah. Hopefully they're already using super flex actually, yeah. but with only 10 teams, that's, that's what I would try next. Uh, unfortunately, it kind of seems like maybe his league mates aren't up to too much change in general. Uh, I thought exactly everything you just thought <laughs> as I read it. I thought to myself, I've been in leagues like this where the owner level, interest level, and willingness to change doesn't seem up to it, but it's just because when I took a step back, the farther further I get my, for, removed from it, I realized – I just want to be super active. And these guys, they actually love the league the way it is. So it definitely could be that situation. Superflex is the easiest. Uh, that's a brilliant answer, Ryan, because that's that's the best way to do it. 10 teams, it should be Superflex. Uh, te- uh, Superflex, you bring all those quarterbacks up, their trade value up. So maybe people are more willing to trade. Uh, as he said, that there are only two trades. And it also should fi- fix the... I tried to make benches ba- bigger, but it backfired. I'm gonna guess that with big that those that extra bench a little bit, if it's super flex, that you know it'll be filled up with quarterbacks and people will be you know that they'll be happy. I I think super flex is the obvious answer here, uh, but I, I'm oh, there's lots of other things you can try. But if if that's not if that's not an option for you. Man, maybe the league just likes to be the way it is, <laughs> and you go back. Yeah, I think assuming, and I, and I hate to assume that the super flex change won't work out for Mike, but if that's the case, then um, Mike has to make a decision about that league if if he wants to stick with it or not, and whether he decides to stay or leave, I, I would advise him to look for a new league, either in addition or to replace that one, which maybe has a little more activity that he's looking for. Also try to get PPR in there. <laughs> you you won't hear me say that a ton. <laughs> I do like I do like some versions of PPR, but you're you're a standard scoring league with 10 teams. I mean, you change that to PPR, the bit, the bench thing won't be as much of an issue either because people will have, you know, guys they want on their bench because the pool is deeper in PPR, right? So, yeah. Uh Shane Gardner Sup guys, excited for new episode. Ah, thanks. Just wanted to let you know, when we started our awesome dynasty this year, your podcast really helped. That's awesome. I love hearing that stuff, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially episode three. I, I have no idea what's on every episode. <laughs> every time someone asks me, what, do you have a, this on an episode? Yeah, we do. I just don't know which one it is. Go, go listen to all of them. <laughs> yes, listen to their evergreen. Uh, we set up a trade system. All our trades in our league are put into a group text app. 
And one of the owners involved in the trade submits the details to a trade thread. So there's a timestamp. Then a 48-hour period where other owners can see the trade and counter offer if they want. Oh, so yeah, yeah, we talked about this, Ryan. That's I love this idea. Yes. So they actually threw it in there. Okay. Then a 48-hour period begins where they can counter. At any point during the 48-hour waiting period, either owner can cancel the trade, and I'm, I'm guessing accept a different one. Uh, they would also go up for 48 hours. Oh, man, that's pretty awesome. Um, and there's no vetoes allowed. That's awesome. <laughs> I am interested to hear how this, this shapes out. So let's see. what's What else is here? Okay. We do still have one problem, though. I'd love to hear your all's opinion. Our setup is 12 teams, top six in playoffs, bottom four in playoff for first rookie pick. Oh, so that's that's interesting. Like team seven and eight have no shot at the the rookie first rookie pick. That's one way to slightly counter that, right, Ryan? Yeah, I like that a little bit more. <laughs> I do like that. I, I like this league. Yeah, I, I, Shane Gardner. Man, I'm I'm liking everything I'm reading here. I can see a situation where some teams would be given a free win at the end of the season to maybe move into the playoffs if their op opponent is tanking to get into the top bottom four. Mm. Oh yeah. Can you recommend a better system for awarding draft order? We like the idea of the playoff. Gives the lower team something to be excited for late in the season. Shane in RVA. Could you give a shout out to our league? Los Luchadores de Gallos. Is that how you pronounce that? I think you got it. Oh, Luchadores. Oh, man. Uh, I probably botched it trying to give a shout out to the Los Luchadores de Gallos league. Um, that's pretty. Where's RVA? Do you know what RVA is? Uh, Richmond, Virginia. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. So do we have a. Do we have an idea to avoid them tanking? You know, if they're like in fifth or sixth from the bottom, avoid tanking to get in the bottom four. That's well. First of all, I I love the ideas that Shane has presented. All of them, um, yeah. We did we did talk about the um, the trading block and allowing other owners to jump in and up the offers as one of our ideas. And evidently that was on episode three. Thanks for, to Shane for pointing that out. <laughs> um, uh, maybe I need to go back and listen to some of these episodes as well. I've never tried that in one of my leagues, but I I'm really tempted to, especially seeing how it works out. I can see a couple problems. This is not what Shane was asking about, but I know especially when I'm dealing with injuries and I'm maybe in a playoff hunt, I might make a, a trade for a player on, Friday afternoon or, or Saturday night to try to get that player into my lineup. So I wonder how that 48 hour period works during the season. It seems like that may cause a little bit of trouble, but maybe you just have to, to work around that. But going back to Shane's question regarding uh, the tanking, it, it's just so tough to avoid tanking in general, especially when you have to be in that bottom four to have a chance at the top pick. I think what I would consider here, even though I, I kind of like the idea of leaving the five and six seeds out of either playoff, that's an interesting rule. Um, but I think what I might consider is putting the five and six seeds in the toilet bowl, let them play for the 1.01, but also spot some points to the, the worst team. So if you finish last in the league, uh, you're in the you're in the toilet bowl, of course. 
but you also come into the game with uh, with maybe a 10 point lead or a 15 point lead. Mm. And we use that in in a lot of my leagues as well. The sixth seed, the the best non-playoff team does not get any points. And then we tear up from there um, like three, six, nine, 12, 15 or two, four, six, eight, 10. Either either system works just depending on how much of an advantage you want to give to those uh, lower teams. I would wonder how if like Nathan Powell would have a have a problem with not doing this for draft order, but just just this uh, this little playoff, this four man playoff. If the four teams that got in were on potential points, I'm sure he would. <laughs> Nathan's, Nathan's not a potential point fan, but if it's if it's only affecting one pick and it's the bottom four teams in potential points. Um, it's not affecting the whole draft order. It's just affecting potentially one pick and only affecting it for two teams. Um, I think he'd, I think he'd have a little bit of a fight from me on that one. Maybe that is true. That's a good idea though. Yeah. Just to affects one pick and only two teams possibly not. It might not even affect him just possibly. Affect yeah. Him. Um, the the other thing I, I was going to mention this I I wanted to mention this one time other time when you brought that up about the weighted thing, uh, what I would do is I'd probably bring all the teams in even. Uh, I don't know if uh, it you know it depends on your scoring, but let's say you take all of their points per game and you make them all even. Like if if one guy's averaging sixteen points per game more than the this other guy, he walks into that playoff with sixteen extra points. You know, that's, that's one way to do it. It's a little more manual labor than just, you know, a, 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 a arbitrary 20 or 15 or whatever. So that's an idea, but I, I like, uh, I like that, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like so, that idea. That's so either of those, you know, wait, wait it, uh, let the five and six in and wait it or potential points for those four or all play really doesn't solve the tanking issue. Cause someone can try to tank and hope they get, you know, 11 losses in a week. <laughs> so yeah, I'll play actually would make that worse. Yeah, yeah, it really would. All right, let's let's move on. To, man, I really like that. So, oh, he has a podcast called America the Beautiful. I've actually heard of that podcast. Uh, so shout out to them, and uh, you should go listen to that. All right, Brett Coppathorn. I like that name, Brett Coppathorn. Feels like that's like like a character a character from a book from in high school or something sounds very very regal very yes yes <laughs> sir brett copathorn <laughs> all right i commit several dynasty keeper leagues all are highly competitive and relatively high stakes what's high stakes to you ryan what do you consider high stakes this question <laughs> so five dollars yeah uh, i i guess i would say i don't know like 250 buy-in and higher maybe but like i said i'm I'm a, I'm a poor teacher. So, mm -hmm. um, I don't, th I think the most expensive leagues I play in or the highest buy-in leagues I play in are a hundred bucks. Um, I don't really consider those high stakes and I don't, I don't feel like I pay any more attention to my hundred dollar leagues than I do my 25 or $50 leagues. Uh, if it was any higher than that, if it was 250 or 500 or more than, that would probably change things. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I don't play in any leagues above fifty five dollars. Um, I don't consider that high stakes. Uh, I don't consider a hundred or even 
or, or whatever high stakes either. I just assume like high stakes is like the five hundreds and the thousands. I I don't think I'll ever play in a high stakes league unless I'm partnered with people. <laughs> oh, um, all right. What what does Brett have to say? Uh, typically, I typically use a lottery system for non-playoff teams to determine draft order. Man, we're getting a bunch of these today. This is a hot topic today. Wow. Uh, one league is an eight-team all-play league. So I'm guessing the eight non-playoff teams just do an all-play for like a playoff or something. Or all-play. Yeah. Uh, six to eighteen. Oh, no, I see. Six out of the eight teams make the playoffs. It's an eight-team league. You don't see that a lot. Mm-mm. Uh, six of the eight teams make the playoffs and two of the other teams are entered into the lottery. After our first year, it was decided a two team lottery was boring and we decided <laughs> to trial a consolation playoff. Teams would pay off for playoff for the 101, 103, 105, all in week 16. For reference, we also have a year round waiver wire, including during playoffs. Well, I think that, sh- that should happen in all dynasty leagues. How about you, Ryan? I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, anticipating not all owners would w- own their rookie picks come playoffs, we created language that allowed the owner of the pick to set the team's lineup for the Week 16 playoff. Whoa, <laughs> that's that's okay. That's interesting. It makes sense, though. You know, yeah. You'd, you'd think there'd be a tank job, or no? They got they got to win. That's right. Um, this issue is in our 101 playoff. Is the owner of one of the picks isn't the owner of the team he wants to make ad drops to improve the starting lineup the other owner is in the playoff already has already made ad drops he owns his own pick being a dynasty league the owner of the team is rebuilding as currently rostering many rookie pips and stash type players he doesn't want to drop anyone to improve his lineup and you know win that game <laughs> that that makes sense i i don't think he should have to it's that would be terrible to you know, give another owner a starting lineup in a playoff scenario like that, which where the pick happens, where you get your pick. I understand it. It's interesting. I, I don't know that I would have even done it, but I understand it. But making ad drops, you can't do that, right, Ryan? No, I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's going too far. Um, I, I'm trying to think of of a fix for this and and honestly none is really coming to mind i, I don't mind the owner of the pick setting the lineup i i, I actually kind of like that idea i, I do like it i think it's, um, it's not uh, common right uh but as far as making ad drops and potentially losing young stash players that 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 owner might be a fan of then that yeah you, you just can't do that i, I guess the only the only out or the only fix I could see is ex- expanding that roster. But, and then that kind of seems unfair for the other teams, especially the team he's facing in, in that playoff game. You know, if uh, you can't turn off waivers or add drops in the playoffs, I was going to say, if those are shut off, this isn't an issue. You brought that team to the playoffs, you know, you, you know, you, you set the lineup that, with the team that is on the field. I think, I think that's the way it's gotta be. I, I think the ma- the only flaws here, even considering allowing ad drops, you, I think this is one of those moments where you just say, I'm sorry, other team, you got to suck it up and just start the lineup with that guy's roster, you know? Right. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. I, th- I think you can't go any further than, 
than letting one owner set another set another roster. <laughs> yeah, there, there are people that would think that that's too far, but I don't think that's too far. I think it's a fun little wrinkle. But going to the ad drop level, if it was a redraft league, I might say yes, you know. But it's, I mean, if you do that, then you have to. But in um, dynasty, no. Right, you have that. What's what's to stop them from making trades? I don't. Uh, maybe they have a, a trade deadline. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, that's, that just opens the door for more and more um, things like this. We're, we're dropping Patrick Mahomes for Josh McCown or something like that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's, just, it's just not, it's yeah. just too far. Yeah. You can, you can really wreck another. It, here's the, here's the only, mm, maybe, maybe if, you make the ad drop move. If, if ad drops for this specific playoffs, um, like ad drops made by the other team can be reversed after the, that playoff. It sounds like it's a, it's a one, it said it's a week 16 playoff. So it's just one week. So if you allow for those ad drops for the week 16 game, and then they're immediately reversed, no matter what after the game, maybe. Right. So, I mean, part of the issue here is that you are, you're setting up owners to really, to basically do each other dirty, right? If you, if you own my pick, I'm in a, I'm in a playoff game where I have nothing to gain because I don't have my own pick. If this rule, if, if their rule doesn't exist, I can submit my worst possible lineup just to, Screw over that guy. Just to, just to hurt you, just to spite you and make sure that you don't get uh, that better pick. But vice versa, if they accept this, if, if they begin this new rule, now you can hurt me. You can drop, if you have ad drop powers on my team, you can drop multiple young players, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe young players that you have your eye on that you want to stash. Right. And, you know, just to give me, a veteran quarterback or Ben Watson at tight end or, or a mm. second defense. Right. Uh, there's, there's just too much there. Yeah. I, I, I think, I don't know if I phrased it correctly, but what I was thinking is for Sorry. that week, 16 game only say I own your pick and I'm in the playoffs and you are the playoff team or you you are, you are, you're the guy who I'm going to set the lineup for. Right. Mm-hmm. I make your ad drops. And I set your lineup and then immediately after the game is played, you get your players back. Like those ad drops are reversed. Meaning like if I dropped Mahomes from McCown off of your team to start McCown, you get Mahomes back immediately after the game. Yeah. I, th- I think it would have to be it's pretty convoluted like that. though. It would have to be something like that, which is basically expanding the roster. Yeah, it basically that's yeah, you're right. It's basically expanding the roster, which is one of the first things you mentioned. Uh honestly, I think the the I think this is just a suck it up. This is their roster. You have to set whatever lineup you can with this roster kind of situation. <sighs> All right. Um whew, wow, we are uh we're going slow it feels like. Doesn't it feel slow? Like we've only done 3. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll see how editing does. <laughs> All right. Justin from Ohio. They're doing it, Ryan. Yes. <laughs> doing it. Justin from Ohio. I tweeted at you guys in regards to how t- 
to handle low participation in league polls. League polls, excuse me. I don't know what I'm saying. You guys mentioned about docking owners' draft picks. I've been discussing this with my co-commissioner, and if the situation escalates to where you have to remove an owner after docking draft picks, the question is, wow, we're already to remove an owner off of not doing polls? That's, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it, you have to be a pretty lazy owner not to just answer a poll. Wait, yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. And, and that's it's a pretty drastic step. Um yeah. I would, I would start by limiting, and I, I think we might have mentioned this in a previous episode, but I would begin by limiting their trade rights and their waiver rights. And if you take those things away and they're still not voting in polls, or in some cases they may not even notice that they have lost their trade rights. If that's the case, then it might be time to remove the owner. Wow. Yep. Yep. Um, let's assume now that his they went the trade rights and the waiver rights, and now it's already escalated to removing draft picks. His, his question is, when you find a replacement owner for that team that lost draft picks due to penalty, does the new owner get those draft picks back? What I say think? yes. I say yes as well. Um, and it doesn't affect the other owners. I, I agree. Yep. Um, My other thought is, would the rest of the league consider this fair? Well, they should. I mean, eh, yeah, there's not really much else to this question, but um, I think 100% you, you give the draft picks back. It's Right. Yeah, it's the new owner didn't do that. It's it's not like and, – and it doesn't affect the other owners. I mean, the, the other owners might have been happy about the potential benefit of going into a draft where the 103 is just a skipped pick. But, I mean, come on set the new owner up on the right foot to me this goes back to like so many of these questions and these rule discussions it goes back to your best interest clause we it, we as commissioners want to run the best possible leagues and the most fun possible leagues we can and it, skipping picks and kicking people out those are not things we we want to do uh, sometimes they have to be done in order to create those those better leagues, I guess. But um, no, this this is not, you know, this is not something we want to do. So no. if you need to replace the owner, replace the owner, give the picks back, move on, and, and the league should be better for it. Yep, I, I agree. John McGlynn, let's see if they, uh, he doesn't tell where he's from. Okay. We should, we should start making it, making it up. John McGlynn got to be from Boston. Yep. John McGlynn from Boston. I've been a commissioner of several leagues ranging from TD only to super flex salary cap dynasty leagues for 20 plus years. Good. Good on you, man. That's awesome. And I'm always trying to find new ways to keep my personal league from becoming stagnant. I tried using the salary option and also moving to MFL this year. We love MFL here. Mm -hmm. um, and it went over like a Led Zeppelin. Is that good or bad? I'm guessing it's not it's good bad. Oof. Not a good thing. Oh, that sucks. It, MFL does take some gain use to a little bit. That, that is for sure. And switching to MFL for ESPN lifers was a nightmare. Everyone voted to switch back. How can I conduct a keeper league with either salary cap, annual increases on kept players, or years of contract on ESPN? Don't believe you can. Think you got to do a lot of that offline. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to do a lot of that on 
on Google Docs, it's going to be a lot of work for the commissioner, which is that's just one benefit of my fantasy league, honestly. And uh, I, I appreciate that it might not be for everybody. It it might take some getting used to, um, mm-hmm. but to give up after one year, especially with a league like this, that sounds like it has uh, maybe some some unique settings or, or more more difficult settings. Uh, I don't know. It's that's going to be a lot of work on the commission. He does have a second question and maybe this will help a little, but he's wondering about for fantasy, uh, which, which do we like better uh, years of contract dynasty setup or salary cap setup? I prefer, I prefer contract years. That's what my leagues are. Just seems Um, easier. Yeah, it, it definitely is going to be easier, especially if you are managing it offline on, on a Google Doc or something like that. It's going to be so much easier than salary cap. Yeah, I'm I'm with that. If if you do have to move back to uh, – I, I try to do this as much as possible with really everything in my life, but definitely leagues. Uh, if you're in a situation where you're going to be on ESPN – make whatever settings is going to make that as manageable as possible for you as a commission and years of co- contract years instead of salary cap is one of those ways to make it easier. Okay. Jonathan Macheka from uh, Ontario, Canada, I believe I'm going to guess. I listened to the commission impossible podcast and I'm interested in starting a 12 team dynasty league. I was wondering if you could offer any insistence in setting up a new league. Um, That's a very long question to a very long answer to that question. Very short question. Very long answer. Yeah. There's lots of, lots of stuff on like dynasty league football one-on-ones for, for setting up new leagues. Um, I feel like if you listen to a, like all all of the commission impossibles in a row. <laughs> yeah, I do face. feel yeah, I do feel like we touched on this on one of the early episodes. Kind of my go-to answer for folks looking to start a new league is either start with your league rules or start with your group of owners. Absolutely. Um, yep. And yeah, I've definitely talked about this on here before, but um, I've started leagues before. Kitchen Sink was one of those. Second Chance, Catch-22, really, really most of the leagues I've started. I had the set of rules. I had a unique uh, twist or, or something I wanted to try, and that's what I began with. And then from there, I found the owners to fill the leagues. Um in, in other cases, you might already have the, the people in that you want to be in the league, whether it's uh, people you've been online on Twitter or something like that, or on, on a, on a uh, DLF message board, maybe, um, or, or, of course, uh, a real-life group of friends that you want to be in this league with, and then you can work together to come up with, with the rules that fit uh, your group of people. So that's, that's the starting point. And as far as rules... Um, I share, occasionally I share my rules um, document out on Twitter and encourage people to steal or borrow that as much as they would like. Uh, and Scott, I know you've done the same thing, but that that's what I would do. Find a successful league, copy their rules, uh, make changes as far, uh, in, any changes that you want and go from there. Yep. That's, that is a perfect answer. I don't feel like dwelling on it too much longer because that's, that's, that's the best way to do it. That's <laughs> the best way to do it. Like Ryan said, start with your rules or start with your group of guys that you want. 
uh, take take something from a league you like and put it and make it your own, make changes. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's a lot of great information. That's why Ryan is the star of the show. <laughs> oh, one of the one of these days, you're. <laughs> I, I can't wait till the day you're just like, okay, I'll just let it go this time. <laughs> I am the star. I am the star. <laughs> All right, R L. Okay, his name is Ryan. Um, I like it so far. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's from Lansing, Michigan. Mm, okay. uh, all right, I'm going to start a new Superflex Empire League, and I'm curious what your thoughts on the balance, the perfect balanced scoring and starting lineup. I've been a commissioner of Redraft Superflex for a few years with this setup, and he's got a link to an article on League Safe Post by Christian Peterson, who I talk to every day. I know that dude. It seemed to work well, but I get the feeling it's not how most people do it. And I'm curious how you guys would set one up. Love the podcast. And I've been listening to FFW Fantasy Football Weekly forever. And Scott, you're a great addition to the show. Thank you. That's I really enjoy doing that show. I will say it's a lot of prep <laughs> to, to be that prepared for a two-hour radio show uh, every week. is it's uh, <laughs> It is some work. I knew I wasn't the star. <laughs> hey, now. Oh, I'm not even the star of that show. That's Paul Tarjian. All right. Let's see here. I'm always second fiddle. What's going on? Maybe I'm even third fiddle on that. I don't know, fourth fiddle. Uh, let's go to Christian's scoring system. He has one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one super flex, and one kicker. Boo. And <laughs> I might have to talk to Christian about that. This is, however, from about four years ago, so I'll let it slide. Four points passing to touchdown, one point for 40 yards passing, negative two for an interception, um, rushing receiving's pretty standard. Um, I haven't done the numbers. I can tell you about the balanced scoring system thing. Every year it changes. Uh, I do the number. I crunch the numbers like crazy when I, when I do the Scott Fishbowl every April. And every year it's, you know, you need to tweak it if you really want it, but you can't do that in the league. You can't tweak the scoring every year unless that's in your bylaws to tweak the scoring every year. So um, I, I don't have any problem with this scoring setting. Uh, it does. It does look like quarterback points. Just, just the visual right there. Four points for a TD negative two for an interception and one point per 40 yards instead of 20 or 25. It feels like that would drop quarterbacks uh, quite a bit. So they're not like, super overvalued but it is super flex so uh it looks like a pretty fair system do you have a do you have a fair super flex system that a nice balanced one that you like ryan uh no this this is interesting with the uh, 40 passing yards for one point but it, it's not a bad idea with the super flex scott we both know that when you move to super flex it does add a a huge amount of value to the quarterback position. So maybe, maybe that scoring system is one way to balance that out a little bit more or not, not to overdo that with the quarterback value, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one way to do it. I mean, I, I looked into some scoring systems that go six points per touchdown and, and negative three or negative four for an interception. And then another negative, like two or three for, uh, a pick six, which also is very interesting. What I found, what I, what I really like though, and 
this might be too convoluted for some leagues, but if you add like a negative 0.1 or one or whatever uh, for completions and incompletions, you know, positive one and negative one, uh, the good quarterbacks really do emerge, um, which I really like. Uh, so I don't know that you need to drop quarterbacks a ton uh, because I feel like, I feel like there's so many of them in a super flex that they do have a ton of value, but you, you don't see a stud quarterback going for say OBJ or something, you know, people, people, you know, if, if you're playing in a super flex league, th there's lots of quarterbacks available. So people t tend to value them. I think fairly correctly, even though they're scoring more points than say a stud wide receiver, I feel like people adjust for that. Um, maybe that's just me. No, I think so too. Um, scoring systems like so many of the things we've talked about are, are really just open to what the league wants. Um, and I know points per carry is becoming more popular. Um, if you move back to the starting lineup discussion, starting two tight ends is becoming more popular. So there's, there's just so many variations you can do to try to balance out positions. If that's your goal. Yeah, this, uh, what, what Christian has here, I can see how that can work. Um, so if you like that, it sounded like you're a fan on that, stick with it. Um, it's probably not my preference just because um, one per 40 seems a little too light uh, for me. But uh, uh, I, I, li I, like to, I like to reward passers that throw for, <laughs> for uh, yards. You know, I think uh, sometimes yards are even more important than uh, – I don't know. I, I like to reward a reward, you know, on field yards and maybe, maybe throwing in points per first down for quarterbacks. I don't know. <laughs> That's something that matters in the NFL. Um, Tim Bremersch, Bremersch, Tim Bremersch. Uh, I know him. He's, 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 uh, where's he from? Oh boy. I don't know. He's doing lots of, he does lots of fantasy cares type stuff and, uh, very, very good with that. I, I think he even played in SFB this year. Um, Oh man, I'm looking around. Albany, uh, New York. Yes, I, I see it here now. Al Albany, New York. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. It's not in here, but <laughs> um, it's always this. Thanks for doing the podcast. It's always the first one I listen to when a new one drops. Random as they may they may be. <laughs> yes, they are definitely random. And I'm glad that you listened to this first. That's awesome. Uh, I'm considering a few changes in the scoring system of my dynasty league. I have to check if my owners agree to this, but I would like to get my options clear before asking the question. Ah, it's the scoring system question again. Um, is the scoring system generally untouchable in a dynasty league after it's already, after the league's already been started? What do you think on that? Let's start there. I don't think it has to be. Um, but like some of the other changes, specifically introducing Superflex, uh, I know you kind of have a rule of thumb that you use for that. And I think it would have to be something similar with a major scoring change. If you're talking about moving from uh, non-PPR to PPR or um, a, a move to points per carry greatly affects running back value, uh, any kind of special teams return yardage scoring would affect certain players. Um, so I don't think it's off limits, but I think you have to 
have some type of almost like a waiting period before you enact that. Yeah. Uh, 100% agree with that. I I'm fine with that. I, like just Ryan said it, I, I'm fine with them. I just feel like, yeah, it's uh, you need a waiting period. Uh, unless the, the only exception is if your entire league is on board, like if your entire league is like, let's do it now, that's fine, <laughs> obviously. But usually, yeah, a, a nice waiting period. My rule of thumb with super flex is like two draft cycles. Um, so a, a draft, a season and a draft, but, uh, uh, let's see here. He, he wants to create a bigger difference between good and bad QBs, which we just kind of mm. talked about. Yes. He links a DLF article here, which I can only assume is Zach Boehner's article on that, which uh, was very good. And, uh, James Cole also had one as well on NFL.com. Um, and I agree with a lot of the points in both of those. Uh, Tim is looking at points for completion percentage, which you know, honestly, I, I'm not a fan of like doing points for percentages and QBRs and stuff like that. Um, cause it's, it's just tough to track while you're watching, but if you do like half a point for a completion, half a point negative for an incompletion, that's basically completion percentage, but it's something you can <laughs> know while you watch, right? Like if your quarterback completes a pass, you're like, oh, I got a half point. Incomplete? Oh, I lost a half point. You know, it's something you can actually enjoy watching. Um, so I would go with that over completion percentage. But he mentions QBR, point per first down, yards, yards per attempt, yards per completion. Um, yeah, that's a little in the weeds for me. How about you, Ryan? Yeah, I'm not. I, I agree with you. I'm not sure about completion percentage. I've never played in any leagues that use that, so I can't really speak to how much that would affect things. I I do like his idea, like we were just talking about on the previous question about uh, trying to separate between good and bad quarterbacks. We've seen uh, we've seen Blake Bortles finish as a, a quarterback one in two of the past three seasons. He was quarterback thirteen this year, so he almost made it three seasons in a row. And then when you step away from fantasy and you just watch Blake Bortles, you know that most weeks he he's just not as good as the majority of the quarterbacks in, in the league. So to see him putting up big fantasy points, uh, that's, that's a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it definitely is. Um, yeah. I like where he's going here. I'd probably avoid the, you know, the percentage ones and the QBRs and stick with completions and completions and points per first down, which are a lot easier to watch while you're playing. Um, and, and you can easily make that happen with this second. My league has big play bonuses that I would like to consider replacing with points per first down because he thinks those big plays are exciting to watch and should be rewarded but he gets the impression that they're pretty random, which is, is you know, fair, fair assessment. I'd assume. Mm -hmm. um, uh, okay. Um, points per first down could resume re could remove part of the randomness. Uh, doesn't want to disturb the positional balance. So he wants to know how to do it. Well, in one of my leagues, I do half PPR or half points per first down to running backs one point per first down to wide receiver and two points per first down to tight end is how I did it. His recommendation, his thought was 0.25, five and 0.75. It's just 
that's you know that's basically half for half what I do for running backs, half what I do for wide receivers, and a little under half what I do for tight ends. I that probably seems like it'd be fair. I might up tight ends to one full, but um, I don't know. Do you have a, do you have any opinion on that, Ryan? No, I I like that though. I hadn't. That's that's not what we did in SFB, was it? No, it isn't. But it's what I do in pigs too. And, okay, uh, I like it, that a lot. Yeah, picks two, I do half for running backs, one for wide receivers because they get them less often, and then two for tight ends. Yeah, I, I would uh, – in general, I'm not – You don't love staggered scoring for positions? No, I don't mind that. I was just going to say I'm still not quite ready to accept point per first down as as – I guess I'm I'm just not all the way there yet, right. but we need to make like, game centers before I think anyone is really all the way there. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the staggered piece of it though, because I do think uh, just general one point per first down or, or if it's the same across the board, I do think that would probably benefit running backs too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely does. The, the numbers bear that out. And we hate running backs. <laughs> Oh, moving on. <laughs> Kyle Robert asks. Oh, Kyle yeah, Robert. I know that Kyle. dude. He's yep. part of he's part of Bull Rush Bets, I believe. <laughs> I've been on Kyle. that show a few times, so I feel like I know him. <laughs> Looking to do oh, and I'm sorry about your Titans, Kyle. Oh. But at least they got rid of Malarkey. So it's, yeah, it's probably probably good news. Yeah. Oh great. I put something in this that isn't evergreen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. Looking to do a dynasty startup with friends that have never played in the dynasty league before. Ooh, what's the best rules, roster size, etc.? <sighs> I like to think that nowadays people are like smart enough with fantasy football, even if you haven't played in dynasty, like any set of rules you put forth, I feel like people can adjust to, you know? So I don't think you have to make it like this super simple thing. If you have some interesting rules you want, I think that even if someone hasn't played in a dynasty league before, they're going to be able to adapt to it. Any, any setting you do, the the only adaption, the only thing that's going to be tough for them is how to value players, uh, especially young talent versus vets. Um, that's really the only thing that dynasty changes for, from redraft for me or one of the few things anyway. Yeah, I agree. And um, I guess my my first thought in reading Kyle's question was to say start with very basic settings and small rosters and uh, easy scoring system to to get used to. But I, I like your answer and I, I would I would go into it with whatever you want the long term rules to be. Don't yeah. don't start one way and, and then plan to change it. Uh, after people get used to it, because people are going to come and go. You might bring in somebody else that's new to Dynasty. Uh, just kind of come up with whatever your plan is. If you want to try a contract league, if you want to try an auction, um, some of those things that are not quite the norm yet. If you want to try Superflex, tight end premium, whatever it might be, any of the things that we talk about on here, I would just start them from the beginning. And and like you said, Scott, the, the people will adjust. Yeah, and m m much like your statement on start with the rules or start with the friends, he's starting with the friends here, and I, I feel like sometimes that's just the easier way to go because they – let me put it this way. Uh, 
if if these guys are good friends with you, I think you all can discuss what you're used to playing in redraft, what you, rules you like, and just just form your form your league based on what they already like, and just keep all the players from year to year. You know, right. <laughs> that seems like a pretty simple way to uh, to attack this one because then everyone's walking in with you know playing leagues they generally you know like the settings of. Um, that's interesting. Um, all right, DJ Jarvis. Oh, oh. This is this is my favorite one so far, Ryan. Do you see the last line of this? I do. Do you want to read it off? Yeah, DJ from the Quad Cities. <laughs> I like that this is catching on. <laughs> I want to know where people are from. Have you well, ever been to Quad Cities? I have not. What is the Quad Cities? I actually don't even know. <laughs> I believe that is in Iowa and, and actually part of Iowa, part of Illinois. But yeah, well, you know what? I have been to the Quad Cities. I actually have now that I think about it. I've I've driven through there, I believe, on a trip down to uh right near you, the the three villes down there. The Kentucky is that the Kentuckiana area? Like there's like three villes, like Louisville and like three other villes or something. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong on that. We call it Kentuckiana. So that's like the Kentucky, Indiana area. Um, Jeffersonville, Louisville and Clarksville. Yes. Okay. I've never heard anybody call it the three villes, but those, those three cities. No, no, I, no one calls it that. It was just me trying to remember what they were. I thought that so. was like your version of the quad cities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so Clark, Clarksville and Jeffersonville are in Southern Indiana, just right across the river from us here in Louisville. All right. Nice. Nice. So <laughs> uh, geography lessons but that's, for but those. That's not, that's not the quad cities though. <laughs> no, that is not the quad cities. The Quad Cities is a region of uh, five cities in northwest Illinois and southern Iowa. The urban core consists of five principal cities. Davenport, Bettendorf are in Iowa. Uh, Davenport and Bettendorf are in Iowa. Rock Island, Moline, and East Moline are in Illinois. There's five of them. Wait, how can you have five in the Quad Cities? I was I was wondering the same thing. I, I now have a problem with the titling of, <laughs> of their area. <laughs> you can't have five Quad Cities. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, hey guys, long time first time. We are a 14 team league and outside DJ Jarvis by the way is his name. Mm-hmm. We're we are a four, yeah. We are a 14 team league and outside of about 3 or 4 teams are at a dead standstill during the off season. Been through this a bunch. A lot of leagues are like that and mm, a lot of people are content with that. I don't care that people don't trade just to trade. However, expiring trade offers and just straight up ignoring text emails, IMs regarding trades just gets old. Yeah, that would. Um, I know you guys have answered this in the past, but what's a good way to jumpstart offseason participation during the offseason? I would be happy just to see teams log on and reject trades and set trade bait during the offseason. Thanks for all you guys do. Well, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to start on this one, Ryan? Sure. It's it's tough. It's tough to make people be active when they are not necessarily as active as Scott and I might be, or as DJ, or as most people listening to this uh, probably is in their dynasty league. Um, you can try some things. Um, I, I would... I would try some kind of off-season draft, maybe a free agent, a free agent draft. I'm not sure if I don't think DJ mentioned their their waiver situation in the off-season, but maybe you have a, a two or three off-season drafts 
rather than weekly waivers. Um, in, in a lot of my leagues, we do uh, off-season waivers year-round. So if you see a player you want, you can you can make a bid and grab him. But most weeks, honestly, there's not a lot happening in waivers. But if you turn that into a draft and it encompasses – a month or six weeks of, of player news and activity building up. And uh, maybe we see some value change and people are a little more interested. Uh, and then the other thing maybe is some type of required trade rule, which uh, I've tried in the past that didn't work in leagues that are really active. So it's kind of a last shot uh, idea, but it's something you could try basically requiring people to make trade offers. Man, yeah, that's that's rough. I it's hard to say, you know, require people to make trade offers because I think you mentioned on a previous episode you got in a situation people would just make stupid trade offers just to have that requirement met. Um, oh man, yeah. There, how do you just not reject a trade? I, I suppose in pigs we do have uh, a rule that has never been acted upon, which is if. Um, you make a trade offer with someone and they don't respond within, I can't remember what it is, like 72 hours or something. Five minutes. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Uh, if they don't respond, the the trade offerer can rat you out and you lose 10 pig bucks or five pig bucks or something. Uh, See, I, I like which, that. Mm-hmm. In, in leagues like those, if you have an auction league, if you have something to take away from owners, it, right. it's a lot easier to do. But if you just have your basic league yeah you're basically one draft a year there's just not much there's not much to hold over uh, on his heads maybe five dollars of the uh, the following season's fab if if uh or fob whatever if uh they they don't respond to a trade offer before it expires Nah. Um, five or ten bucks i mean it's it's tough it's tough it's one of those that we get a lot and there's just no real good answer for because those teams are just super content and they don't want to they don't I, i've i know them i know guys like this that i was telling a guy at work about um oh i forgot to put in waivers this week he's like it's the off season and i'm like oh because he plays in dynasty leagues and that's just I mean, we see, you know, you've probably experienced this recently, Scott. I know I have. Um, You go out and you see friends at work or in social circles or whatever, and and they know how how much you do during the the regular season through podcast and writing and, and managing your own teams and leagues. And then I get the question, are you glad football's over? And I say, football's never over. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but we have to, we have to realize that we are by, by 1%. far the, mi- the minority in that. Yeah. And um, I would say to DJ, the same thing I said to, to some of the other uh, questions is in the end, you're probably just going to have to find another league that is as active as you want it to be. That doesn't mean you have to have to leave this league. Uh, which which might be a long time league with friends, who knows? But uh, yeah, you f- find that league that the activity level already meets your uh, your needs, your your idea. This should forever be the answer to questions like this. 
is find another league. Don't leave this league, but find another league to occupy your mind space so that you're <laughs> you're not as upset about the 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 inactive offseason one. Yep. So all right, let's call today because we got through all of our questions and we're hundred percent caught up. So if you do want to email us a question, we will get to it. Our email address is commishpod at gmail.com. I got that on the first try without looking it up. That's not true. It was on my computer. So <laughs> I did look at it, <laughs> but uh, thank you for listening. Anything you want to add, Ryan? Uh, no, I am. I am looking forward though. I guess I do want to add something. I'm yes. looking forward to our next episode. We're going to tell some stories of the world's worst dynasty commissioners. Oh man. And we have some stories already to tell, so oh, it'll be a it. fun one. Yeah. We have at least six to 10. I'm going to have to get Julie Bessonette to email me a shortened version of hers, which is one of the worst commissioner stories I've ever heard. And, uh, man, th- these will be fun to go through. Definitely fun to go through. So, all right. So, uh, for myself at Scottfish 24 on Twitter and Ryan McDowell at Ryan MC 23. Thank you all for listening and have a great day. Uh-huh.